Okay, welcome to uh, another edition of Forever Bristol City podcast, being recorded the morning after the night before, where at Ashton Gate it finished in front of 18,000 fans. City won, Wigan won. A little bit of after the Lord Mayor's show, because we had that impressive win against Norwich at the weekend. Did we turn up expecting to beat them? Nigel said, be warned, they're not going to be any pushovers, and they had gone uh, two games without defeat. Um, joining me are Mark and uh, Ian. Ian sat with me uh, today, uh, and we may have Chris Honor dropping in for a few comments as well um, before he goes off to play golf. But um, anyway, chaps, let's uh, do as we normally do. I'll start with you, Mark. I mean, did you rock up at Ashton Gate last night expecting to win and build on an impressive performance against uh, the Canaries? I was confident but I didn't expect us to win. I knew it would be a much harder game and it would it would be a better indication of where we are as a team. And frustratingly, it, it, it told me it told me exactly where we are as a team because I thought uh, Wigan defended really well. They made it hard for our players to play and I thought they played the better football down the flanks and created more chances. Uh, we weren't creating enough. Again, our midfield uh, failed... Uh, you know, to to pass through the lines, didn't create enough shots on goal, but we didn't lose the game. Uh, we could, we could have slipped to defeat right at the end. So four points from two games isn't bad, but it just shows you that our expert. I think people have got to get you know they've got to screw their heads on properly. We're not yeah. looking. We're not going to get to the playoffs. We're gonna we're gonna build we're gonna build uh, on moving away from the table. That's what we should we should concentrate on. Put as much daylight between us and the bottom three as possible, as quickly as as possible. Get points on the board because okay. at the moment we're struggling to get enough shots to to win games and scoring one goal per game isn't going to be enough. And that's what happened last night. Okay, um, Ian, your your thoughts. Uh, perhaps wrong for me to say expected to win because there's no easy games in this division, but um, what were you thinking as you rocked up there last night? I didn't rock up expecting to win, but I thought we might. Um, well, let's look at the positives. Uh, we're 10 points clear of Wigan, 12 points clear of Huddersfield and 12 points clear of Blackpool with a vastly superior goal difference. So... If we're 10 points clear of Wigan, that's effectively 11 and 13 clear of Huddersfield and Blackpool. So we need 13 more points, in my humble opinion, to guarantee survival this year in the championship. And if we can't get 13 out of 45, we need shooting, never mind relegating. Another positive for me was the crowd. I thought the crowd got behind them very well. Um, not a great idea from the club. Lots of tickets being checked in the Dolman last night. Uh, to make sure you were going in the right block. Now, I think, for whatever reason, the population of A block by more, we'll call it more vociferous supporters, has been a bonus and raised the atmosphere level. And considering Wigan brought a carload, as opposed to Norwich, who brought 2,300, then you need that. Uh, so I think that was a positive. We're eight points clear of Cardiff with a game in hand. Uh, Anis Mamete, got to mention him, best player on the field, 8 out of 10. Uh, the other positives for me, continue the unbeaten run. Our defending the set pieces has improved immeasurably. We're seven points off the playoffs with a game in hand. Had we won last night, uh, it would have been five. Uh, and when you look at the division, I've been saying all season that it's an, apart from Burnley, it's an average division. 
sixth in the table, playoffs, to 16th, us, seven points. I know, it's ridiculous. All right, so um, Nigel hinted pre-match there was going to be changes. Uh, you never change a winning side, so they say. And we talk about rotation, but it's not exactly that they're playing every midweek at the moment. In fact, next week, they have got a week off in the middle of the week. There's no games next Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, Mark, when you saw the lineup, you know, a complete a complete change of uh, the front line, um, you know, did you think, well, that's good? And on paper, I, I think I tweeted on paper, well, you know, you look at the three that have come in, Vyman, Cornick, Mametti, well, that doesn't look weaker. But what did you think? Too much? I, I was shocked and stunned. Um, Ian had to get me another cappuccino from uh, Kofi. It was, it, it was terrible. No, seriously, though, I thought it was a couple of changes too many. It's, I think we all expected Mimetti to play. You mentioned it in the Norwich review. I could see the logic in it. You know, refresh the front line. The players on paper are good enough to start compared with the other three. Unfortunately, uh, Harry Cornett's going to need more time to gel and Andy Vyman looks very rusty and his, uh, his delivery his delivery was, was pretty poor last night. He can play on the right side of a three, but he, he, you know, he, he looks like a player that, you know, hasn't played, played for weeks and Corn, like I said, Cornick needs more time, time to bed in. So two changes, too many up front. I think I just, I just, just brought in uh, Mimetti for, for Bell. Yeah. What did you think, Ian, with that uh, change? Changes? Before the game, I said I'll stick my neck out and say that I think it, it's too many at once. I could understand changing one. I wouldn't have left Sykes out because he's on a hot run of scoring goals and we're not exactly full of them. So um, I, I was surprised that he made three changes. The, the problem is, if you say, well... The players up front had done a lot of running, they were tired. Does that imply that the players in midfield hadn't done a lot of running against Norwich? Because we didn't have the ball. You always do a lot more running when you haven't got the ball. Um, so what do we do with them? And one of the questions I'd like to ask Chris is an ex-pro uh, who knows a lot more about these things than I do. Um, what he would do if, God forbid, Alex Scott and Joe Williams are suspended at the same time. So, no, I, I thought... Changing three was probably a bridge too far. I can under I can fully understand the reasons for doing it, um, but it, it had we won, uh, you could say, well, there you go, it worked. Um, unfortunately, we drew. And if you just said to a, a casual last night, one of these sides is seven points off the playoffs, and the other sides in the bottom three, you'd have thought they were the ones that you, were. You'd have thought Wigan were in in it's seven points off the playoffs. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, not um, it. It, it well, it, it just it may come off in the sense that if our the players rested, are fresher for the Sunderland game, so they come in and do well. It may pay off in that. And if we can go on for the rest of the season as we have over the last two, averaging two points a game, that would be absolutely brilliant. And that's what we need to do before the game. Or I said at the weekend, um, you know, sixteen games to go. It needs to go something like ten to four. Yeah, to get that playoff place, that's assuming 71 points. Well, that was one of the draws off. The four defeats, you know, if we're predicting results, the four defeats could come at Sunderland this weekend, Sheffield United and um, 
Middlesbrough, uh, Sheffield United and Watford away, and then uh, Burnley at home. But then that means we've got to win 10, and that includes beating uh, high-flying Middlesbrough at home uh, as well. Mark, the, the game, it was sort of a quiet start. I mean, it, we didn't, we just didn't seem to get into it. I think Alex Scott had a couple of chances, but, you know, it was a very sterile opening half hour, I thought, didn't you? Yeah, I mean, Wigan started off and, and they they looked like they were going to set in, sit in. They play four four two, which we don't see a lot. I think apart from Burnley, I haven't. They played it last season a lot in the Premier League. You just don't see teams playing with two two banks of four like that. And they they were very well drilled. And yeah, Alex Scott had that shot, but there weren't any players getting ahead of the ball. And 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 that and that was the, the problem all night really the only the only uh wit for wit, real wit for offer was on on the left hand side yeah so it was all a bit stodgy it was always going to be about our ability to keep the ball moving forward and we just we just didn't do that we needed more of those runs and efforts from Alex Scott or releasing players you know who were running onto the ball so yeah, Wigan got increasingly more confident. I think that you could say after the first quarter of an hour, they just saw that you know that the city weren't weren't making any impacts, and they started to probe forward and started started pressing us and, and looked increasingly confident. Within well, they did. Players. I mean, you know, and so when when we when we got the goal, we'll come on to that in a minute. But you could argue that came after Wigan had pretty much imposed themselves on the game. We started fractionally better than, as you rightly say, Mark, they got right in it. I'm in the lower lands down and I was just itching for the ball to come across to Mometi and he didn't get enough of it, in my view. But, but Ian, you, you, you were criticised at the weekend for criticising the midfield. You know, it, the supply, you know, our star player is in there, uh, Alex Scott, and uh, yeah, a midfield of Scott, Williams and James looks good on paper, but front men can't can't do anything if they're not getting the ball, can they? No, uh, it, it, it depends greatly on service. And I think one area that we really need to address in the summer, uh, I hoped it might be Cornick, but having watched him now start a game, he isn't that player. We need a nine that can hold the ball up and allow players to get past him and, and get third man runs going and join in. And we don't have that player at the club. Unless there's a, a player, it could be one of the young lads like Seb Palmer Holden. Because he's, he's a unit, isn't he? He's yeah. a unit. And and so's uh, the other lad, is it? Well, he, Ollie he Thomas? Thomas. Um, they're both big lads. Now, it, it might be them, but they're young. Uh, but, you know, you need that physical specimen because the balls forward a lot aren't great. Uh, we still had more than enough chances to get to get enough crosses in. I mean, Vyman's crossing last night was absolutely appalling. Uh, but we're not great crosses of the ball. Um, so we need to contend with that. We need to deal with it. I mean, the, the main problem I thought last night is our tempo dropped off. Yeah. And with low tempo comes low quality because you're shoving the ball to the right and to the left and back. We were doing a lot of that last night, weren't yeah, we? Yeah, and, and it... It's okay saying, well, look, we've retained possession. That's okay if you're two or three up. You know, you yeah. can r- run the ball along the back four all night if, if, if you're two two or three goals up. We weren't. I thought our set pieces were poor again, the delivery of set pieces, apart from 
one or two by Mamete, and our crossing was generally poor. Now, that's a criticism week in, week out. And, and whilst we've got really so much better at defending set pieces, it's untrue, because let's be honest, we're particularly without Naismith in the side, we ain't the biggest team in the world, mm. um, or the tallest, I'll say. And we can get it. But if you look at the service that their wide left uh, player got, uh, and he's a decent footballer, I know he's got some uh, controversy surrounding him, uh, but if you look at the service he got and the amount of possession he got, if we could have got the ball to Mameti more, yeah, that much, yeah, he would have been far more effective. And, and I think one area that um, I didn't agree with Nigel Pearson on was when we made the substitutions and Mameti went into 10 when he took Scott off um, and Bell went out on the left. And I, I, I right. thought Mameti was the dangerous player. He was the one they were frightened of. He was the one who was going to hit the post, whether he, he meant to shoot or cross is irrelevant. He hit the post. Yeah. Um, and he's the, um, he was the threat. And we moved him out of the threatening position. And that was something, okay, Sam Bell could have come on, cut him from that position and scored a goal. As he did, as he's already done. All right. And he, and he didn't. Okay. Mark, let's move on to uh, our goal. And it was a, a sort of a free kick that was worked across to Mameti. And that was a delightful cross that he put in. But take us through the goal as you saw it. Yeah, Atkinson gets fouled halfway inside their half on the left. James plays a, just plays a quick free kick to Mimetti on the left-hand side. And he hits it with his outside of the foot, of his right foot, takes out three defenders. But he hits it so flat, with, you know, at pace, that uh, Rob Atkinson's just got to take the pace off the ball at the back post, yeah. bend down and head it into the net. It was just such a great... He'd done like that before, hadn't he? Because it was... You, you used the term there, he hit it flat and he put another cross in that you're thinking, well, that looks a bit different, yeah? And it was right, you're right, the trajectory of it because he didn't have to stretch to get it, Atkinson, did he? No, I mean, most most crosses that you watch, are, 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 you know, are floated. Of course, if they got too much air on them, it allows either defenders or the goalkeeper mainly to be able to come out and claim it. You know, use a bit of physicality to cl to claim the ball fairly comfortably. But if you hit it at that pace, it's under the keeper in in, in a way. Um, you just don't see enough good deliveries, good deliveries like that. But you know, if you cut out a defender, you get a, you get a touch on that. It was just a classic, a classic delivery and a great and a great finish. Rob Atkinson loved that fourth fourth goal of the season great yeah, no, good. Heading, right, into, right into right into right into the corner but yeah they fell asleep. if you got half a dozen in the remain if you got a couple more to make half a dozen in the closing that's not a bad return for uh, a centre half how did you see the goal Ian I mean Mark described a cross of a type that we're not used to seeing outside of the boot, boot not lofted sand wedge style and uh, hit with pace as well yeah, if you put some pace on it and you get your head behind it, it nine times out of ten, it's going to go where you want. It's when you, if you look at, contrast that with Matty James' free kick in the last one. Oh, of the game, Christ, yeah, I was going to you know, bring that you, up. You, that's, you're going to really struggle to head that. The only thing you can do with that is is if you do win it on the far close, is knock it back across goal mm. and hope that somebody gets on the end of it. Um and it, it just went over everybody's head and it was a real damn screw. I mean, I I don't 
you, you literally, when we get a corner or we get a set piece, I can't summon up much excitement no. because we're not that. That's an area of the game that we really, really need to get a hundred percent better at because it, it's not <coughs> that was two. If you take two areas, key areas, um, one central midfield and, and controlling the game. Um, another one would be shooting from outside the box because it's only us in Gillingham it, out of the 92 football league clubs, or if you pronounce the EFL, Premier League, 72. EFL got 72, um, and uh, the Premier League have all, have all scored for, that haven't scored a goal from outside the box, and we don't shoot. So we're already going to score a goal if we don't shoot, and some of our shooting uh, is dreadful. Mm. So we, that's something that, that we need to do. And I, I totally agree with Nigel Pearson um, in his interview the other day where he said, we're miles from where I want us to be. Mm. Mm. Mark, they gave a hint of, uh, well, no, what, what, they deserved a point. Let's not beat about the bush. And they yeah, could have won. They did. Yeah. But a hint of what was to come in the second half, that uh, TA uh, hit the bar just before the interval, didn't he? Yes, that was a good effort. Yeah, came back to him from a corner and he hit the ball beautifully. You know, he, with little pace, it just it just arrowed. I mean, it was Max would have had no chance. It hit the top of the bar rather than the face of the bar. But he's a low knee that uh, Torre brought in from uh, Slavia Prague in the middle of January. He's played in the Europa League uh, Conference League. Looks a really good acquisition. Strong everywhere for them last night. Um, you know, I mean, you look at you look at Maloney. He came in on the twenty eighth of January, so he only had a couple of days to organise transfer. He'd brought in Martin Kelly and uh, and Sinani from uh, from Norwich. All the other players he's he's inherited. So he's is done Sinani a great job. From there. He's not the guy who used to play for Huddersfield, is he? Uh, yeah, is yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he, he is yeah? Once, once upon a time, but yeah. But um, yeah, T he was great. Him and him and Power. Uh, I mean, Power was working really well down the right. But yeah, that T he was everywhere. You know, physical, powerful, mm-hmm. and they they just wanted. A, they seemed they just want to force a lot of of set pieces. They weren't yeah. fantastic in open play, but they kept us quiet. Well, they did. And the thing is, you know, okay, they had ten shots, only two on target. But Max didn't have a lot to do, and that's. On being the case during this run, Ian, they made uh, Wigan made three substitutions at half time uh, that you don't often uh, see. Um, you know, you could argue that they did make a difference. But who, who's this Maloney? Who's their manager? Where's he emerged from? He's an ex player, I believe. Uh, and I think he was managing a club up in Scotland. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on that. So no doubt somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, if you looked at Wigan last night, you wouldn't have thought they were a bottom three club. And, and this comes back to another point I've been making, and, and I haven't heard anybody seriously counter it, that apart from Burnley, it, it's a very average very average division. Um, I don't think we're a top side, top six side in that division. But when you look at the points difference over all those clubs, and you look at the clubs that Luton are in the top six, mm. uh, Millwall are seventh. So I can't see why we can't get there. Uh, but as I say, first target, get the, the 13 additional points, and then we can start looking up the table yeah. instead of looking over our shoulder. Okay. 
Um, Mark, into the second half, and uh, you you just I, I said to Mal, who was uh, sat with me, she picked her games, not one of the best actually, and I said they're going to get one in a minute, and sure enough, uh, they did. And as Nigel said, scrappy goal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Keem uh, Atkinson was marking Keen just inside our half. There was a bouncing ball, and he climbed all over him. Gave a, a free kick away. I mean, from that distance, you don't, you should think that there was a, a, a lot of danger, but it was played short to power. All the players were in the area. He didn't hit the ball brilliantly, but it seemed to bounce along the ground and went straight through our defence. Hit, I think it hit one of the defenders, and went straight to Ashley Fletcher. Uh, he um, who uh, was coming through at Manchester United about eight years ago and. He, he hit it in the down down the middle. Max got a hand to it, but it was in the back of back of the net. So yeah, it was a poor goal well, to concede, yeah. but we Good fell asleep. Yeah, yeah they, it, I mean it was the game was a tale of those two free kicks. We didn't react quick enough to the to the free kick and power. Hit it into yeah. hit it into the box. He got yeah. a little bit lucky, but uh, actually Fletcher was rightly placed on the penalty yeah. spot and just brushed it in. Sloppy goal, Ian. Yeah. Scruffy, scruffy goal. Yeah, I was more or less right behind the Wigan player who hit the cross. Um, and I'm sure he, he miskicked it quite hard. And it went through, I'll say four, it could have been five of our defenders who, who there was a, a little bit of uh, what I call after you, Claude, um, in the box. And how it got to Fletcher at the back post, I've no idea, but it did. And he half scuffed it but managed to get it in the net Max and something similar-ish happened late on and Max managed to get down and save it this time and saved our bacon um, so yeah not not a good goal to concede uh, listening to Nigel Pearson after the game he, he obviously wasn't pleased with it um, but as as we've all said a point's better than none and perhaps that was a game that last year we would have lost. That's what you said as a game. Yeah, last year we would have lost that. Mark, we had uh, chances. Uh, well, the post, we were denied twice by the woodwork. There was a Scott header that clattered against the bar. And then Mametti, I described him as sort of our own version of that Adel Tarabat. Yeah. And that wicked cross, if that had gone in, that would have brought the house down, wouldn't it? And instead it hit the post and bounced away. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it was definitely a, a cross, a slightly mishit, but it had a lot of curl on it. Amos was well beaten as it was coming down. It hit the middle of the of uh, of the right of the right post. Uh, it was a shame, you know, that it, it it hit it with such force that it went past any any oncoming players. But he was the main, he was the threat all night, Anis Mometi, and like Ian said, it was a shame. That he had to be, uh, you know, he had to be moved out in position. Just very quickly on the Sean Maloney. Sean Maloney, he was, he, he was the Hibs manager before your mate Lee Johnson took over, uh, and before that, he'd uh, he spent he spent three years as assistant manager to the Belgian national team because he knows Martinez from there because he played under him at Wigan. There you go. So that's what the connection is. Thank you for that, uh, Ian. That effort of Mometi, if that had gone in, you know, that brought the house down because that would have been the perfect debut and it's in stark contrast to Cornick some people are saying give Cornick a chance give him time people said he looked off the pace don't judge him on a half hour appearance when he started yeah he looks okay but you know you couldn't have two contrasting impressions from the crowd you know raving over Mehmeti and a bit Marmite on the on the other lad well if you if you look at 
I always look at output, contrib- uh, you know, what have they contributed to the game that if another player had played, would have been any different. And that could be goals, assists, creativity, a brilliant tackle that someone else couldn't make. Um, honestly, when all of our strikers are fit... It's three from seven, isn't it? It is, is it three from six or three from seven? He was fourth choice at Luton and he'll be, I think, fourth or fifth choice at Bristol City because uh, for Saturday, I already said, but I'll say it again, um, I'd start Sykes on the right, Mimetti on the left and Naki Wells down the middle. Um, then you've got what happens when Tommy's fit You've got Andy Weinman on the bench, so would you play Andy Weinman down the middle as opposed to Harry Cornick? Um, well, where do you play Tommy Conway when he's fit? Well, I just, could, said, mm, I just mentioned yeah. Tommy Conway. So you've got Tommy Conway as well. I still think we're lacking a, a big, well, a, a number nine that can hold the ball up and, and win flick-ons a lot. And, and, and once you do that, once that guy holds the ball up and gets the ball back, then we can we can start players will have far more confidence uh your your fullbacks for example in getting past the ball because at the moment if the ball goes into somebody like Cornick or even Naki a lot of the time and they don't hold it up and they don't get it back if you're George Tanner or Cam Pring and you've bombed on down the line and all of a sudden they've got the ball and the ball, the ball gets knocked in the gap you've got major problems so and I thought Cam looked tired last night it was a tired performance so hopefully he'll get himself um ready to go again at Sunderland or we might see Jay know, Jay come in um so yeah let, let, let's wait right. let's wait let's wait, wait and see a lot of the proof of the pudding were these changes necessary uh were they made with one eye on Saturday obviously they were and the game we'd had against Norwich when we were out of possession and working our socks off so it'd be interesting what the outcome is at Sunderland. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. I'll, um, I'll just say, I'll Mark, just add something that we, d- we on, don't yeah. do in our play enough. I mean, when we do get the ball behind, uh, we do get the ball down d- down the sides. We tend to cross the ball high. We haven't really got big players. No. It, we when we should be hitting the ball low. But what our forwards don't do a lot is get goal side. Of the uh, of the fullbacks and take the ball at the near post. You just don't see them doing it. No, you know, hitting, you know, dropping off and, and taking that ball at the near post. They're usually in the middle, waiting for the ball to come to come to them. And you know, Naki Wells is only what like back five six five seven. He's not, you know, it's going to take a, no. a good cross, a good cross for, for him to get his head on it. And like likewise uh, with somebody with somebody other. Well, players, look at that cross really that slight, Vyman did. Look at that cross that Vyman did yesterday. I always say about Vyman. Right. And I'm being vindicated because last season I held my hands up. He, he had a great season, 22 goals, 12 assists, but it was a one-off. Yeah. And he is never controlled in possession. He's always, he reminds me of uh, Vassar who used to play for Villa. I had a couple of years in them occasionally, obviously when it didn't clash with City. And there are always lots of energy. And as Chris Honor says, and Chris sadly has not been able to, be able to join us. I think he's had a connection problem. He's off playing golf now. But Chris said to me, who well, agrees with me, he just waves his bloody arms around and points. And one of those crosses that he did yesterday, it was hit with 
such pace that it would take somebody's bloody head off. And then it ended up going out for a bloody throw-in on the far side, didn't it, Ian? You picked up on that, didn't well, you? It, it, it went out on the full. And I think it, it either went into section 82 or went into the dolmen. I couldn't see. It was from, dolmen. It was it dolmen. Was a dolmen. Yeah, that edge of the penalty. Said, yeah. But it went out on the full. And and I, I, don't, I think I've never seen across that far over here in 50 odd years of going down the city ground that that's just i mean i've seen people over it crosses and normally they go three four yards beyond yeah. the far post yeah i've seen that loads of times and we've all done it yeah. when we've been playing but honestly over it that much i don't you know well it was a good it came probably 10 yards out from the byline where it went out for the bloody throw which is why you probably thought yeah I mean, two. I, I mean it's got to be the missed kick of the year and Andy Boyman's, I mean, if you look at, people are saying what happens if Scott gets suspended, and the answer is, well, if you want a 10, you play Boyman there. You don't move Mimetti off the flank, you play Andy Boyman there. Now, but we haven't been playing, Scotty's not been playing 10. He's the most advanced of the midfield players, but our three in midfield has been a bit narrow at times, and it's needed to be because we've been defending, and, and Scott needs to drop back in that gap so he can, he can defend. But he does. He does. He does more running from deep when Naismith's not there. I mean, when away games, you see Williams get ahead of the ball. He scored two goals, hadn't he? Virtually on the line against West Brom when he did it, Rotherham. But you haven't seen him yeah. do. You don't see him do that at all in home games. No, and 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 if you're not getting players in the box and your crossing's not brilliant, then you're not going to score loads of goals. Um, and if you look at the games where we uh, where Naismith played and we were very good. Uh, Birmingham, the 4-2 game, uh, we could have scored six or seven. The West Brom Cup game, where we were excellent, we kept a clean sheet as well. And I think that's what Naismith gives you. And, and it's difficult. We haven't got a natural player in the squad to replace him. His, his passing vision and, is Scott, yeah. and his yeah. leadership. No, no, Naismith. Naismith. We haven't yeah. got a player in the squad who is... Uh, uh, Cal Naismith, I'm not saying a Cal Naismith clone, but a player who can do similar things. Matty James can, and Joe Williams can. Um, and if you look at quality balls played out to Mehmeti, some of the best ones came from Zach Viner. And Zach shouldn't have to do that. And somebody said to me, they were sat near me, and said, well, why is, Viner having to, why is Viner doing that? I said, well, where's the midfield player saying, give it here? You know, a Brian Tinian type yeah. or, or a Cal Naismith type. Because they had a number eight. I think their number eight a couple of times was coming back and taking the ball off of their centre-halves, wasn't it? Yeah, Yeah, and that's what you need. You need... When when we played Brum, our formation was... It wasn't 4-3-3, pure 4-3-3. It was a 4-1-3-2, which allowed us to have two strikers in. And when, you, when you're in the dolmen, I'm on the halfway line, and you're looking across the pitch, one thing you can see is the formation, how it's working. And Naismith and James were interchanging. So when Naismith went forward, James would drop back into his position. So if he lost the ball or a misplaced pass, James was there. And if, if James moved further forward, then Naismith would drop. Yeah. And it worked beautifully. Now, with Williams and James, they tend to play a bit more square of each other. Uh, so it becomes more of a 4-2-3-1. <clears> but we have, if, if you have a one in that formation, that one has got to be able to hold the ball up and play people in. And you're not going to get a player as good as Harry Kane by a mile, but it's a similar thing that he does where he drops back a bit sometimes into the number 10 position. And then players like Song 
bombastic. And dare I say it then, a player like Chris Martin probably was about four years ago. Yeah, but if you look at what worked last season, you had Vyman at 10, you had Martin at 9, <clears> and you had Semenyo with him. And that, whatever you say, WSM... Worked. Worked beautifully. It did work, yeah. Um, so, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a shame <clears> that Chris Martin's got older and lost for him. I mean, Cornick's seven years younger. So... I was hoping that, uh, and Nigel Pearson said, we'll make him... We'll make the experienced player better. He we'll said make, that. make him stronger and fitter. And he needs to get a lot stronger. I think he's got some nice touches. I don't think he's a bad footballer. He's got reasonable pace and reasonable touch. Uh, but I, I don't think he's that player. I mean, he might be good if you drifted him out to the left and he could come in on his right. I mean, the thing is, I, I think know. I think with Naismith being injured, it's, it's a case of, you know, James... Plus Naismith, and you know, and that—that's the best pick for the two in there. And James and Williams, you know, then they're, they're not an ideal pairing. Uh, well, but- they, they sit. I mean, they sit too much, don't they? I mean, what we—it yeah. was so—it was very predictable at the end. Uh, most of the second half, Wigan were able when when they defended, they were able to sit in fairly comfortably. They knew they were going to get they were going to get hit airily, and they had defenders who yep. could cope with that. There was nobody prepared <coughs> to make a run. We you know when you have got players running past you onto the ball, you know it, it's it, it's harder to deal with, isn't it? Yep. And yeah. we only did that once last night. There was a ball in the first half to Andy Vyman, chested it too hard, and it went out to the left. Uh, you know, he he lost he lost control of the ball, but there wasn't any real innovation at all in no. in that in that match again. Right. That Let's just wrap up on the game uh, itself before we look forward to uh, Saturday at, um, against Sunderland. Um, Kenny Stroud, yeah, uh, not Kenny Stroud. He used to play for us. Keith <laughs> <laughs> Stroud. He was one of those unsung, uh, unsung midfielders. Yeah. Ran, a, he ran a, he ran a B and B, didn't he? He Did ran he? A B&B. Well, anyway, he was from Swindon and he ran a B and B. Referee, uh, for me, I I disgraced myself because I got caught in the crowd. I didn't sort of slip away like I I normally do. So I was there as the referee came off and I shouted out expletives and then noticed it said no swearing. I won't say what I said, but he lost it. And Nigel pre-match had said about he'd hinted at gamesmanship from a team like Wigan. My goodness, you know, the four minutes of time added on, should it have been more? But the last 10 minutes of the game, I wish they were running matches like they did in the World Cup or part of the World Cup where you do it with the ball in play because McLean, it was all niggly stuff, you know, and the goalkeeper going down. There was very little action in the last 10 minutes, uh, the last 15 minutes of the game. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to build any momentum and... And Ian, you know, do you think Stroud, say, lost control, but he, we, they, he let them dictate, and then that free kick we had right at the end, which was the last kick of the game, it was, it was pathetic. It summed up our dead ball kicking for most of this season. But Stroud first. Well, Stroud's not a very good referee, and that's been the case for years. But many of the referees we've had, and some of them are Premier League referees uh, this year. I think have, have been what I call a six out of ten standard. Um, they've got this instruction to that not every coming together is a foul, and they've got to try and let the game run. Now the referees that get it and do it well, they make the game much better. The referees that don't get it, Stroud's one of them. Uh, they make the game worse. But I, I, you, you certainly can't blame the fact that we didn't win 
on key strength. No, no, no. Um, and, and as I said, I, I've been more unimpressed with referees this season than I have last. I mean, I, I don't think Stroud many, made many absolute howlers, um, but his control of the game is sometimes uh, he's, he's given decisions that he, as a smaller person, he clearly can't see. And, and he's not helped by, because, um, I mean, you look at Stroud, and it's, it's like land of the giants out there, isn't it? It's like when you see a rugby referee and he's talking to some six-foot-eight, number Prop eight, forward or six-foot-nine yeah. player, and he's, he's basically talking into the bloke's navel almost. And uh, But I've seen a few times when and the linesman don't help. I mean, a ball went out close to the linesman, and he looked at the referee. The referee, Stroud, signalled, and then he signalled. And he was about five yards away, and it was on his side of the pitch. Now, when I see that happening, I, I lose faith in someone's ability. I mean, it was only a throw-in. I mean, we're not talking yeah. about... I think that says a lot about the person, you know, because, you know, they're, oh, I don't want to make the run. Oh, I'm, I can't park it. I can't do... You know, it, it's all... It's... Be positive, you know. Don't, you know, put the flag up. Don't... Yeah. I remember that incident. And you think, for Christ's sake, linesman. Yeah. Because the referee's... If further away, if take some bloody responsibility. If he's, if he's like that, is he going to get his flag across his chest if it's a penalty? And the answer, that's no. You're bottling. Yeah. And that's why, one of the reasons why, uh, there was a very good piece in Bristol Live, if, if anybody wants to look at it and find it, about the penalty incident. So I think there have been about, I'll say 25, it could be more or a bit less. And a couple I, I added into it because I didn't think they, <coughs> they brought them up. But... Um, and I think of those, nine were what they termed a stonewall penalty. And yeah. I, I agree with every one. And you've really got to start asking the question, why is that? And it, it needs more explanation. I mean, we've had the VAR situation in the Premiership. Um, and VAR was brought in to eradicate mistakes. Now, all right, is, is a mistake just any mistake? Or is it a clear and obvious error? There's a big difference between the two. For example, um, referees in the past have sent off the wrong player. Mm. Uh, that's happened two or three times. With a game, I remember a game between Arsenal and Chelsea, and the player standing there saying, "What? What me? No, it wasn't me. It was him. No, it yeah. wasn't. Get off." Um, so I, I think that's something that they really do need. To, Howard yeah. Webb and his merry men really need to um, sit down. And, and, and sort that. And, and as I say, the overall quality this season, I think has been, for me, um, it, be, it has been poor, mm. but it hasn't been, they haven't been making absolute hangers. Right. Well, no, a lot like, was it Lee Mason in the VAR place? He forgot to put the lines on. So you talk about getting referees. That was last weekend's game. Well, and he's a Premier, Chelsea, he's he, a Premier League he's, referee he's a Premier and doesn't even know how to use the equipment uh, properly. Yeah. I have to say, though, I think Howard Webb shouldn't, you know, the guy who was running it before, and I've read, um, oh, God, who's that? Mike Riley. Well, he, he ran it before, and I've read the, uh, who's the referee that um, refereed the uh, European Champions League a few years ago? He's, he Mark Clattenburg. Clattenburg. I've read Clattenburg's book, and he didn't speak highly of Mike Riley at all, whereas Howard Webb struck me as a decent bloke, you know, and maybe we'll get 
um, you know, things things might change under his stewardship. Okay, Mark, looking forward to uh, Sunderland, uh, the stadium of, uh, well, the stadium of light, as they used to call it another word. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, That's what you used to call that, that the Rovers ground. We, we last won there. <laughs> we last won there. I was on the uh, Sunderland podcast yesterday and uh, we, uh, we last won there. I think it was 2017-18. There was that three-all draw at home, but back in uh, September of our, I'll call it our halcyon half season. We won yeah. there 2-1. Milan Juric got the winner. There's going to be 40,000 Wearsiders there at the weekend, yeah? I mean, that 38,000 last week against Reading. They won 1-0, 3-0 win at Loftus Road, but everybody seems to be beating QPR uh, at the moment. This is going to be a real tough test, and never mind rotating the front three, which is what he's done. But, you know, James, Williams and Scott, you know, they're going to be recovering today, traveling tomorrow. This is a place where we've, it would be nice to get something just to keep the run going, but it's going to be bloody difficult. Or is it? You know, they're not all no, that. No, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they picked up their form after a, a defeat and a couple of draws, like you said, with those two wins. But they got a good young side. I mean, they had to get over the setback of losing Alex Neal, who walked out on the middle of the season to go to Stoke. Uh, Tony Mowbray, him of the uh, the face that looks like it's seen a keen wind, uh, has taken <laughs> over. And and they've also lost Ross Stewart for the season, and Ellis Sims has gone back to Everton. So they got Joe Gellhard up front. Uh, you know, he was a bit of a prodigy, went from Wigan uh, to to uh, Leeds a couple of seasons ago, but never really featured in the first team. And Jack Clark, similarly, he had the same experience at Spurs, was loaned to them last season, did brilliantly, and, uh, and they signed him uh, in the summer. So, yeah, Alex Pritchard in midfield seemed to have had the second coming, really, after he looked like he was going off the radar. Luke that was O'Neill's. a Lee Johnson signing, wasn't it, Alex Pritchard? Yeah, I think so. Didn't he try yeah. Wasn't he linked with us at one stage? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, he, he went he went from Spurs, didn't he, to Norwich up to Huddersfield. And, but he, I mean, he's he's picked his career up again. Looked very good at Ashton Gate. He really ran. He really ran the game. And um, but yeah, they got Clark and Gelhard up front, and they look like they're finding their form. They're in the top top four. <clears throat> they're they're averaging over thirty five thousand a game. It's going to be intense, but yeah. they will be expected to win. That will give us room room to play. They got Danny Bath at the back. Ex Wolves player was it Stoke as well? Fouled uh, Bobby Reed in that famous game we lost two one. Got sent off. So he's uh, he's he's back there. Uh, keeper saved a penalty the other night. It's going to be very very tough. They got yeah. nice you know, a young team who have got uh, momentum after coming out of League One. They've had to change the team a bit. They've had, they changed the manager, but they still yeah. got the momentum. And their their fans travel well and they support them at home. It's going to be it's going to be a bit of a cauldron up there. And but, you just hope that we don't get. I don't think well folds. I don't no, think well, well folds. We can not. take I mean, it, I, but. I, <clears throat> yeah. We, yeah, we don't want to concede an early goal. I'd love it, as Kevin Keegan once said. <laughs> I'd love it if we can come back from there with a 1-1 draw. And as people have said, don't even talk about the flame of the playoffs being extinguished by drawing at home to Wigan. It was wishful thinking. I, I, think, this w- I think it's wishful thinking all around, David. Yeah, I mean, it's right. g- it's given us a view up the league, but no, I mean, it last night told us where we were. Yeah, to keep the un- just to keep the unbeaten run going. And yeah, that's fine. For a top 10 place. Yeah. Because yeah, they asked me at Sunderland, 
what did I expect at the start of this season? And I said, well, one thing that's happened is that Nigel Pearson, while he's been in charge, he's managed everybody's expectations down. And if you'd have asked most City fans at the start of the season, it was survival and finishing about 15th or 16th wouldn't have been a bad season. With all what we've been through, we're trying to restructure the team. Now, if we did finish in the top 10, yeah, that would be a massive achievement. So a draw to keep the run going, that would be great. Ian, you know, it's it's not it's not going to be easy on Saturday up there. You know, they, they, they've got momentum. Yeah. What, what do you think? Well, uh, interestingly, Mark said earlier, not many clubs play a 4-4-2. Well, Wigan did last night and Sunderland did against QPR when they... It's always going to bite you on the ass, that, that in, isn't it? Yeah, when they've <laughs> when they, when they won 3-0. I think Clark and Gellhart up front pose a very different problem from the one that we had with Sunderland early in the season when they had the two big lads in there, Ellis Sims and Ross Stewart, who for different reasons are, are both not going to be playing. So they're going to be pacey, they're going to be skillful. Clark puts me in mind of Alex Scott when I look at him. Um, and he's a, he's an effective player. He's really a winger playing in the middle, but he's blooming quick. And so is Gellhart. So they're a completely different threat. What we can't do is let Pritchard do what he did at Ashton Gate, which is completely dominate the midfield. So we need to get around him and stop him. And we need to press their defenders. If, if we sit back against a team like that, we, don't get me wrong, we can't play a mega high line and leave loads of grass behind us, otherwise they'll play through. But we can't drop too deep. Uh, I don't see them hurting us a great deal with crosses. They have got the lad, the TK, I think his name, oh, sorry, Equa. And I think he, he may be on loan from Tottenham. Now he's more like a, a big nine and I've seen him brought on as a substitute um, in games. So, it's going to be a different threat. It's going to be, uh, I don't know how many fans we've got travelling up there. Um, a thousand, I think. Uh, that, well, that's, that's a good following for a side this 16th in the division. And it's, let's be honest, I've been to Sunderland plenty of times. <coughs> absolutely love the North East. Newcastle's one of my favourite cities. Um, and uh, it's, it's going to be a tough old game. Uh, but what you've got to do is go up there and what you can do if you score early and if you play well, you will turn that crowd, I'm not saying in your favour, but they'll have a bit of a moaning groan like most home crowds yeah. do when it isn't going well. last thing we want to do is concede an early goal up there. Yeah. You, if we concede an early goal, we could I, I be, could concede the, three or four. On the wrong end of a hiding. So let, let's hope, and as Dave said, if we draw that and then we beat Hull, we're still averaging two points a game. So I, I wouldn't be bang beat but I, I think for one of the few times this season if you offered me a point now and not play the game uh i'd probably take it yeah okay yeah well, look, on loan from he's on loan from uh from west ham i think yeah all oh, right i mean it's um it's a week where well, Week after next, the Man City game. Mark, all oh no, he's actually uh, no, he actually joined them on the twenty third of January. Sorry for an undisclosed go. fee. My apologies. There you go. Right, there you carry go. on. No, get it, get it back. <laughs> looking, looking forward to the Man City uh, game. Um, Alex Scott, it's a showcase for him, isn't it? We want him to play a game that captures the imagination, and we want to see more moments from him, like that move that he did and pass leading to uh, one of the goals at Preston. Um, and in the summer, Mark, would you agree with this? And I'll ask Ian the same question. If we sell Scott, let's be realistic. 
for 20 million, that is going to enable the transfers, even if we don't spend all of it because of FFP, that's going to enable the improvements in the key areas. So, Mark, are you resigned to losing Scott in the summer and, you know, playing a blinder against Man City, win, lose or draw, uh, more likely lose or draw or lose, uh, it, it, it could stick a couple of million on his value, couldn't it? And good luck to the lad and flourish your career away from Bristol City. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great showcase for him on national TV. But, um, yeah, I, I'm resigned to him losing in the summer. People are saying, oh, you shouldn't say that talk while he's here. But, you know, he's he's, he's uh, a bright lad. And, I've, you know, he was happy to... We, 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 25 million valuation does look, does look quite high. He needs to add goals to his game. The problem we got, we're not going to have... Kyle Naismith for the Man City game. He won't, he won't be fit. So somebody's got to get the ball to him in those pockets of space between midfield and and uh, and uh, their, between their midfield and defensive line, Man City, for him to to really, uh, you know, either either shoot or or play other players in because uh, otherwise he's lost if he has to take the ball deep. He, he against a team like that, he's he, he could get caught in possession and then we're buggered. You know, he'll yeah. start. He'll start committing uh, poor fouls in, in in their half. So if 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 he can play in that space, in those pockets of space, then he could have a great game, and he could also bring the likes of uh, Sam Sam Bell in and uh, uh, and whoever's who's uh, and Sykes who were likely to play on on the right, because of course we haven't got the likes of Mameti. Uh, or um, or 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 Cornick, because both of them course, both yeah. of them are uh, they're they're cut side. Interesting. Ian, um, Alex Scott, uh, you know, it's a showcase for him. Even if he got booked on Saturday against Sunderland, he wouldn't miss the Man City games. We've been corrected. It's different competitions. So you resigned to losing him. And do you think he should just take one for the team and get that booking out of the way? Because it's almost <laughs> as if, you know, let's just, you know, the, the booking gets struck off, doesn't it, for the last 10 games. But if he knows he's going to get a two-game suspension if he does get booked, he's going to be thinking twice about some of the tackles that he's going to go in for. Although you might argue, Ian, that some of the tackles that he goes in for are a little bit reckless or have been in the past and they've been unnecessary booking. So resign to losing him. And is it an albatross, this one more booking and you suspend it, affecting his game? The booking, no, he shouldn't try to get booked. Um is he going to move on in the summer? I think, is he going to move on in the summer for 25 million? I can't see someone at the moment, if you're paying 25 million, you're paying that for potential. Because if, if you look at his stats, honestly, they're not that great. Goals, assists, create. So if you're paying 25 million, if you look at the players Wolves bought instead of him, they're full internationals with much better records. But what we always forget about Alex, or a lot of people do, is his age. Now, at 19, he's probably the best player we've ever had at 19. Um, now, with us, he's getting regular first-team football. He's nailed, probably nailed on to start every week. He might get rested like they all do. So, it, am I resigned to losing him? No. Uh, because we could sell him for a lesser fee and then have, have him on a one-season loan back, which is almost like the best of both worlds. 
where where you get your money or you get a lump of money and you keep the player. So um, it depends on ins and outs in the summer. I mean, we don't know that. I think the only player that we've got, I would say probably less than 50-50 chance of keeping is Thomas Callas. At the moment, he's covering three defensive positions. So if Tanner goes out, Thomas Callas will play right back. If Zach Viner goes out, Thomas Callas will play right centre-back. And if Rob Atkinson goes out, Thomas Callas will play left centre-back. So we haven't really got much <coughs> in the way of covering that, unless you start playing people out of position. And, and we know how well that went. Um, so, no, on Scotty, I'm not resigned to losing him. But I think if we could get 25 million, and you, you, it, it won't be up front, but let's say we got 20 plus five, uh, with add-ons, and remember, with add-ons, you may or may not ever get them. Um, I still think he's better off staying with us than going to, say, let's say he went to a top eight premiership side. Is he going to get in that side no, week in, not. week no, out? No. Not at the moment. So what are they going to do? Well, they might ship him out on loan to a lower Premier League club or a, a, an upper championship, championship club. Now, does he really want to do that? When he's a 19-year-old lad, he's effectively living away from home or he's been in Bristol quite a while, lives lives in the same place as uh, Tommy. Tommy. So does he really want to do that or would he be better off staying here and having another season um, and developing here? Because he's still going to play England under 19, England under 20, yeah. whatever, he, whatever he does. So, no, I, I'm not resigned to losing him. But if the club get 25 million or anything like it, you know how that's going to go because of, of the financial position yeah. that we're in. And we'll know a lot more when we get the chance to ask Steve Lansdowne some questions later on today. Yep. All right, guys and listeners, thanks a lot for joining us uh, today. As I said, we'll be back on uh, Saturday at six o'clock with a review of the game at Sunderland. Let's hope oh, we're talking Dave, about... Dave, sorry, uh, can I just say, uh, I need him. to correct myself. Pierre Equa isn't a, a nine He's a defender or a midfield player. Six foot two, young lad, um, outgrown under 21 football, according to David Moyes. So I'll uh, just correct myself there. All right. Uh, I was confusing him with somebody else. There we go. So, yeah, join us at six o'clock on Saturday when we'll review the game at, uh, that was taking place at the Stadium of Light. But uh, for now, thanks for uh, Mark and uh, Ian for your contribution. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Have a good rest of the week. All the best, everybody. Bye-bye now. Stay safe, everyone. All the best. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Really, I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy, as happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When Rivers Robbins are bob, bob, bobbing along. Red Robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be.
be no more sobbing when he starts throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if vibe and blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin starts bobbing along.